Time for seafood news. Welcome to the Seafood News Podcast. This episode of the Seafood News Podcast is brought to you by the 4th Annual Association of Genuine Alaska Pollock Producers, Wild Alaska Pollock Meeting, taking place at the Westin Seattle in Seattle, Washington on October 17th, 2022. The Association of Genuine Alaska Pollock Producers, also known as GAP, is working to promote wild Alaska pollock in major whitefish markets around the world with a focus on Europe, North America, and Japan. Their goal is to educate both seafood buyers and consumers about the superior benefits of Wild Alaska Pollock. The theme of this year's Wild Alaska Pollock meeting is strategically building awareness and demand for the perfect protein and will bring together representatives from all segments of the Wild Alaska Pollock industry, marketing experts, and visionary speakers designed to challenge the status quo and inspire collaboration for tackling future industry challenges. Topics will include economic updates, consumer research and trends, the results from the new Gap Always On Wild Alaska Pollock Awareness and Demand campaign, and much more. To register for the meeting, please visit alaskapollock.org. Don't miss out. I'm Seafood News Managing Editor Amanda Buckle. And I'm Erna Berry Seafood Market Reporter Lauren Castiglione. Now, last week I had Seafood News staff writer Ryan Doyle on to break down what was going on with Monterey Bay Aquarium's red listing of American Lobster. And we don't have too many updates there. Uh, major updates at least, but the Maine Lobster Marketing Collaborative has started a change.org petition in an effort to reverse the Monterey Bay Aquarium's decision to add American lobster to the Seafood Watch Red List. So the petition reads, and I quote, the facts speak for themselves. Not a single right whale death has been attributed to Maine Lobster gear, and there have been no known entanglements in Maine Lobster gear since 2004. The MBA's decision ignores a long history of efforts from the fishery designed to protect right whales, including removal of more than 27,000 miles of floating rope, the use of weak lines designed to allow whales to break free in the rare event they are entangled, and distinctive gear markings, as well as compliance and collaboration with state and federal rulemakers on all regulations. The petition reads, Further, the decision to red-list Maine Lobster contradicts the Monterey Bay Aquarium's own past assessment of Maine Lobster as a good alternative as recently as 2014. Protection measures have only increased since then. As of September 16th, the petition has nearly 14,000 signatures. Of course, the MLMC is not the only ones fighting for lobster. Senator Angus King, Governor Janet Mills, Senators Susan Collins, and Representatives Shelley Pingree and Jared Golden released a statement last week calling on the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch to immediately reverse the controversial listing of Maine Lobster on their seafood red list, as well as to remedy the significant harm they've already caused the iconic industry. The Maine Congressional Delegation and Governor Mills sent a letter to the Aquarium's board. The letter states that the recent decision by Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch to red list Maine Lobster with scant evidence of impacts on right whales is a reckless piece of activism that will inflict substantial negative real-world consequences on an important and iconic industry in Maine. In a courtroom, we require evidence before convicting someone of a crime, but you are seeking to sentence Maine's lobstermen with conjecture, assumptions, and guesswork instead of hard facts. If anything, the publicly available facts rebut this aggressive action that will impact the livelihoods of thousands of people in Maine and make it clear that you should immediately reverse the irresponsible designation. By ignoring these clear facts, Seafood Watch isn't encouraging safe fishing. Instead, you are damaging the reputation of your certification process by misleading consumers. There is an easy fix to this. Now that you've seen the facts, reverse your decision and take lobster off the red list. 
Very powerful. That is very powerful. So Maine Governor Janet Mills is also calling on Secretary of Commerce Gina Raimondo to provide the times and tools necessary for Maine lobsters industry to make meaningful contributions during the next phase of rulemaking to protect right whales. Governor Mills' letter to Secretary Raimondo states that I am writing to express my great concerns and frustration regarding several actions related to right whales this past week. Together, these actions call into question the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's commitment to sincerely collect public comment and the agency's willingness to prove the time and tools necessary to achieve the identified objectives of the current action. Mills acknowledges that the right whale population is in trouble, but argues that the risk reduction targets put forward will be devastating to the coastal economy. There is no denying the huge role Maine lobster plays in the economy. In 2021 alone, the ex-vessel revenue for the fishery was valued at $730 million. So Mills is requesting that NOAA simply must do better in terms of providing timely information and opportunities for coordination with state partners and impacted stakeholders. For starters, Mills is calling for NOAA to provide multiple public hearings regarding the scoping period to give stakeholders the opportunity for public comment. Right now, there is only one public hearing via webinar, while Mills said that when scoping meetings were held in 2019, NOAA held four meetings in Maine alone. The governor is also taking issue with the upcoming Atlantic Large Whale Take Reduction Plan meeting, which is scheduled for the week of September 19th. According to Mills, on a September 8th webinar, NOAA staff presented a large amount of information regarding the risk reduction associated with various management measures. And after presenting work, which took months to compile, NOAA staff outlined that Atlantic Large Whale Take Reduction Plan members have until September 12th to caucus and submit packages of measures for consideration. That is only two business days. <laughs> so it is unclear how NOAA could possibly believe that such a highly deficient process will lead to a constructive and well-informed outcome. So that's what Governor Mills said on it. Yeah, I can't even get my kindergartner's homework together in two days. <laughs> like, <laughs> But moving along, the Biden administration's announcement Thursday of an invigorated push to help develop floating offshore wind hit the West Coast seafood industry like a winter storm. Few, if any, fishermen or processors had heard about the plan, outlined as a launch of coordinated actions to develop new floating offshore wind platforms, an emerging clean energy uh, technology that will help the United States lead on offshore wind. The press release from the Department of Energy and White House said, in tandem with President Biden's economic and clean energy agenda, these actions will create good-paying jobs, lower energy costs for families, and strengthen U.S. energy security. It's the same thing the administration had been touting since Biden took office. And again, the 77,000 good-paying jobs it promotes as a positive aspect to the plan fails to consider the seafood jobs offshore wind will replace. This announcement from the Departments of Energy, Interior, Commerce, and Transportation and the White House includes initiatives that focus on floating offshore wind. The only types of platforms that are suitable for deeper waters, like those off the West Coast, Hawaii, or farther offshore on the East Coast or in the Gulf of Maine. The announcement comes at the same time as the National Renewable Energy Laboratory announced a new resource assessment that showed the potential for 2.8 terawatts of energy from floating offshore wind farms across eight geographic areas in the contiguous United States. This represents regional and national opportunities for offshore wind energy development. The initiative aimed at lowering costs is one key change to this new promotion. 
Moving along to some new appointments in the industry. Get your snaps ready. See, uh, Sensi has appointed Joe Rosenberg, Jeff Stern, and Nate Torch as co-presidents of the Illinois-based company. The company said that the appointment is part of succession planning efforts to develop the company's next generation of personnel and leadership. Stern and Torch previously led the company as co-vice presidents after joining Sensi in the early 80s. Rosenberg is a relatively recent addition to the Sensi team, joining the company in 2017 as chief operating officer after working for NASDAQ as a senior specialist. So he's been there for five years, but compare it to Stern and Torch since the 80s. <laughs> right. <laughs> Definitely a newcomer. So uh, Rosenberg, Stern and Torch said in a joint statement that each of us is looking forward to continuing to grow Sensi as the company develops its next generation of leaders. The three of us have worked closely together for several years and plan to continue to strengthen the company's foundations to ensure Sensi's success for many years to come. And in other appointments, Ocean Choice is welcoming Tom Duncan to the team. Duncan was hired as Ocean Choice's new director of sales for the United States. His new position, um, he'll be focusing on facilitating growth in key markets in the U.S. Duncan will be working alongside Ocean Choice's existing North American sales team and will be reporting to Chris Curran, uh, Ocean Choice's VP of Sales and Marketing. While Ocean Choice's head office is in St. John's, Newfoundland, Labrador, Canada, Duncan will be based in Georgia. Finger snaps for all. And finally, COVID restrictions may be easing around the world, but not in China. Peter Redmayne, president of Seafair Expositions Incorporated, the overseas organizer of China Fisheries and Seafood Expo, announced this week that the event will be postponed by two weeks due to COVID-19. I feel like we haven't said COVID-19 on this podcast in a while. I know. So get out your shot glasses, everybody. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The 26th China Fisheries and Seafood Expo was initially scheduled to take place October 26th through October 28th. However, Qingdao City uh, officially recently enacted a prohibition on mass gatherings, including trade shows. So the ban of these large-scale events is from September 10th through October 31st. I feel like we're back in time where it was like, all right, everybody stay home for two weeks to lessen the curve. Well, that's essentially what's happening in China right now. (laughs) Anyway, Redmayne said that it is widely anticipated that China's current quarantine and travel policies will change at the end of October. In June, the quarantine was reduced and more reductions are anticipated. Our partners in the Ministry of Agriculture wanted to move the show back a bit to ensure as many people as possible can attend. Seafair Expositions reports that they have more than 1,200 companies from 30 countries registered for the event and that they estimate approximately 22,000 visitors from throughout China. So China's zero COVID policy remains in place. Uh, According to the BBC, tens of millions of people in at least 30 regions have been ordered to stay at home under partial or full lockdowns. And as of September 15th, there were 1,039 new cases reported with a seven-day average of 1,133 cases. Uh, China Fisheries and Seafood Expo does have COVID safety measures and regulations in place. So if you are attending All visitors, exhibitors, and their contractors are required to have a negative nucleic acid test, the PCR test, within 48 hours prior to entering the convention center. And that requirement is standard for most trade shows in China. Um, And it was issued by the Office of the New Coronavirus Pneumonia Prevention and Control Headquarters. So attendees also need to submit a health screening and record form. And that about does it for us. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back here next week. Later.